Chen. Good to see you, man. How have you been? Oh, you know, this... Things have been... What's wrong? Thelmor. Hide. Greetings. We're looking for a merchant. We're after some very particular ingredients. Somebody has been travelling with them that looks remarkably like you. Oh, yeah? Can't say I've seen the merchant. What, what, excuse me. What is that around your neck? Oh, this? You do know that Talos worship is banned. You best keep on walking. Oh, excuse me. I don't let rabble like you talk to me like that. Wait, is that a Daedric sword? And that shield looks dwarven. Now this whole thing? This is Spellbreaker. It can absorb any spell that you throw at me. You all love to talk about your magical capabilities. What happens when that magic can't hit its target? Mm, interesting. Well, uh, anyway... You're lucky I'm very late for an important, uh, meeting. Yes, anyway, we have a merchant to find. I'll leave you be. Good day. Is he gone? Yeah, you're good. Thank you. This is why this one keeps you around, yes? Welcome everyone to Tamriel Adventures, a show that brings you information from all across the far reaches of Tamriel. I am Eric, aka Sulior, and I want to give a special thank you to KDB, who guested on that little scene there, as well as added a little bit of polish to it. Thank you very much. And speaking of KDB... He and I also do a show together called Tapes from the Wastes, where we talk about Fallout lore, and guess what? There is a new episode of that that is out right now, today, and it is all about the Enclave, so definitely, definitely go check that out. hope to work more with him on this show in the future, so today we are going to be talking about Talos, so that kind of is why he was kind of a sub-theme in that little scene earlier. So, yes, today we are talking about Talos. I'm sorry for the delay on this episode. Um, Normally I put episodes out on Tuesday, maybe Wednesday of podcast week for me, but I don't know if you can tell or not, but I've been a little bit under the weather this week. Uh, a little bit, yes. So, yeah, I've been battling a pretty nasty ass. So, I didn't want to sound like a ghoul or even a uh, Dunmer from the island of Vardenfell, where Red Mountain is seen. Blessings of the Tribunal upon you, Outlander. Yeah, I did not want to sound like that the entire episode. So, we do have a little bit of news, not a whole lot. Um, I don't know if you guys play Fallout or not, since I was talking about tapes from the waste earlier, but the there was a 65 gigabyte update for that uh, game. So if you want more information about that, again, go check out tapes from the wastes. Uh, there's a little bit of news with Elder Scrolls Online, uh, not a ton. But, so, if you remember, I talked about how there's going to be uh, graphics upscaling for Elder Scrolls Online coming to consoles, for those of you who have next-gen consoles. I guess there's a little bit of an issue with all that, so ESO, the publisher, developer, whatever, put out an open letter to the community about that saying that there's been some UI issues with ESO for consoles. I honestly haven't noticed this myself. But due to certification timing for the upcoming Blackwood chapter, 
and ESO console enhanced, we will not have any more console incremental patches before the Blackwood and Update 30 launch. The fix for this issue will be in the Update 30 launch patch on June 8th. In the meantime, we encourage you to use the temporary workarounds for these issues linked in our bio. We understand this is frustrating and thank you for the patience. Bless you, Pippa, my dog. Uh, she just sneezed. So, yeah, um, I honestly, like I said, I haven't noticed any issues, but then again, I'm running on an Xbox One, so take for that what you will. But also arriving as part of the Update 30 launch in mid-June, the new Endeavor system is a free addition to the ESO base game that all players can utilize. And with this new system, you can complete new daily and weekly tasks called Endeavors that grant you various rewards, such as gold and experience, but also it allows you to get items that would normally only be available in the Crown Crates. So that is pretty freaking awesome. But you can, here, here's an example of some of the kinds of tasks endeavors might ask you to do. So there's stealing or pickpocketing items. You complete quests, defeat enemies using class or weapon abilities, selling items to vendors, craft different types of items, defeat different types of monsters, harvest resource nodes, and many more. So yeah, that's, that's good news. So. I'm looking forward to that because some of those crown crate items are pretty awesome but again um it's like a chance base that you'll get some of these really cool items so it's kind of a gamble so um yeah it's an it's a new seals currency uh, and you can acquire any of the currently available crown crate items so there's radiant apex mounts which are really rare there's non-combat pets a lot of it that you would get would be like experience potions or you know scrolls stuff like that so that that's good news so um also there is a community spotlight that's on their website right now where somebody created a game within a game so uh trinu t-r-i-i-n-u is a hand-built classic 2d platformer level using the housing editor from eso so that's pretty interesting so if you go onto the elder scrolls online website there's an article about this so this person said they used to dislike online games but they always loved eso and if, when a friend who owned eso on xbox told me i can play it just like a single player game i gave it a chance yeah it it's built to be an MMO. Like, they encourage you to go do stuff with other players. But you can also play it solo, which I did for the longest time. And now I actually have a community with the Hive that I can actually play with. So, there you go. So, this person started building within the first free in-room. And then saved up all the gold to make it to buy a bigger house to decorate. So, the housing... Yeah, the housing community... I, I, I mean, I'll be completely honest... I mainly use player houses for free fast travel. I don't usually decorate them very much. I just like to have a bunch of player houses so I can travel to all these different provinces for free and not spend 500, you know, however much gold it takes or wait until the gold cost cools down. So, yeah, they they use this housing editor to develop this 2D platformer and it shows screenshots of what they've done with these houses to turn it into a 2D platformer. And the look kind of looks like the old school Prince of Persia games on PC, just with better graphics. So I'll put a link for this in the show notes. And apparently my dog's playing with a squeak toy. <sighs> okay. So anyway, yeah, that's about it as far as the news goes. Now... As far as gameplay goes, I'll be completely honest, I haven't really played a lot, mainly due to the fact that I've been sick. Um, I have been playing a little bit of ESO, so I've made it a point to really get in there and complete the Greymore chapter before Blackwood launches. I have not. I've started it on three different 
accounts or platforms. I've started it on PC and then both my uh, Xbox NA and Xbox uh, European server accounts, and I still have yet to finish it. So I really need to get in there and finish it. I've finished pretty much all the other chapters with my PC character, but I do want to go in and complete those on Xbox also. Uh, I started Morrowind, but I haven't finished it yet. So, yeah, I've played a little bit of Greymore, and then I've done a few of the Dark Brotherhood Radiant quests. So, um, I'll probably play some... Uh, let's see, today is Friday. I may play some on stream next week. But, like I said, um, I haven't really gotten in much. I've been doing my daily crafting writs just to get those done, but I haven't played a lot today because I felt like crap. So, there you go. Um, I did play a little bit of Bioshock Infinite. Um, not on stream, because for whatever reason, Twitch stream locks that game. Or something about the um, programming with the games don't let you stream it. I don't know why. Why would you want to stream lock your game? Anyway, whatever. Um, but yeah, that that is about it. So let's take a little bit of a break and get into Tiber Septum, also known as Telos. Stay tuned, guys. See you on the other side. Alright you guys, welcome back after that short break. So, a um, couple of things about that previous segment. So, apologies for, number one, the background static. I think that um, my microphone was picking up my air conditioning, so I've since shut that off. I'll be more mindful of that in the future. Also, I don't know why Audacity decided to cut out for a split second when I said I had a nasty-ass cold. Um, or I did have a nasty-ass cold. I don't know why it decided to randomly cut out that word. So, um, whatever. Anyway, so let's get into Talos. Now, normally I just get pretty much all my information from the UESP wiki. Um, however, they didn't really get into Tyberceptum Talos's life very much. So, um... I got some of it from the Fandom Wiki site, so, um, yep, I got my source from multiple places. My source, I got multiple sources this time, so, um, let's get into the lore behind Tiber Septum. So, here's a little bit of, uh, a quote at the beginning. So, Talos, heir to the seat of the Sundered Kings, Talos is the most important hero god of mankind. In his mortal form known as Tiber Septum, he conquered all of Tamriel and ushered in the Third Era and the Third Empire. After his death, his spirit ascended to the heavens to become the ninth and youngest divines under the name given to him by the Nords, Talos. Also called Izmir, the Dragon of the North, one of the nine divines, the major gods worshipped throughout all of Tamriel. Less prominent sects such as Talos Cult have also been inspired by his apotheses. In the fourth era, the worship of Talos was banned as a result of the White Gold Concordant. However, many of the Nords in Skyrim continue to revere him despite these strict terms. So if you go to the article, there's a picture of him in his armor holding his helmet with one hand, and there is the Imperial Dragon symbol behind him. So it says here he was born in second era 828, and he died in 3rd Era 38, and his reign was from 2nd Era 854 to 3rd Era 38. So, the previous ruler was Kulithan? Kulithan? Kulith, 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 Kulithan? Sorry, I, these words, I swear. And his uh, su successor was Pelagius Septim I. And he resided in Cyrodiil, and the games that he, appear, he appears in are Elder Scrolls Adventures Redguard, Morrowind, and Elder Scrolls Legends. And here is a quote from him from the Ten Commands of the Nine Divines, as always. It says, Talos says, Be strong for war, be bold against enemies and evil, and defend the people of Tamriel. So, let's get into the article. Tiber Septim, also known as General Talos, Yalit, 
uh, Yalti, H-J-A-L-T-I, Early Beard, the Dragonborn, Izmir, and rarely Tiberius, was the military leader who became one of the most famous figures in Tamrielk history, reigning as Emperor Tiber Septim from 2nd Era 854 to 3rd Era 38. Tiber Septim started his career in service under the Cyrodelic King Kulikane, I, I think that's the best pronunci- pronunciation of that word, where he was known as General Talos. In this role, he fought to unify Cyrodiil and finally all of Tamriel, an effort that cultivated in Second Era 896 with the birth of the Third Empire. And that's something I kind of want to get into maybe after the Daedra, is the different empires of Tamriel. So, so far there's been four. There was the Alessian Empire, there was another one in between that and the Septim Empire, and then there was the Medes. So I really want to start researching all of that. And like I said, I'll probably get into that after the Daedra. So he declared the onset of the Third Era at the end of the same year, um, Second Era 896. Tiber Septim ruled for 81 years and, can, and is considered by many to be the greatest emperor in history. He gave his name to the lineage of Cyrodelic emperors known as the Septims. In the centuries following his reign, Tiber became revered as a god and is worshipped as one of the nine divines under the name Talos, which also means storm crown. The 24th of mid-year is celebrated as a holiday in Alcair, known as Tibedetha, T-I-B-E-D-E-T-H-A, the middle Tamrielic for Tiber's Day. Alcair celebrates its most famous native with a great party throughout historic, though historically Tiber Septim was never, he never returned to his beloved birthplace. And it says in uh, parentheses here, there are conflicting accounts of Tiber Septim's birthplace, ancestry, and original name. Below are both officially sanctioned history and the version outlined in the Arcturian heresy. That should not have been hard to pronounce, but it kind of was. So, we're getting into a little bit of his life here. Tiber Septim was born in Atmora under the name Talos, meaning Storm Crown. Now, if you remember from the Nord episode, Atmora is where the Needs originally resided, and they they were the proto-Nords. So, they were kind of the proto-man race, aside from the Yakutans. So Tiber Septim was born on Atmora. So it's a it's a uh, continent to the north of Tamriel. So um, he was born under the name Talos, meaning Storm Crown in Old Ahinofe. And he spent his youth in Skyrim, where he learned the ancient art of the tongues. And if you played Skyrim, you know what the tongues are, as well as the strategies of war from the chieftains there. At the age of 20, he led an invasion of old Hroldan, taking it back from the Witchmen of High Rock, its earliest known military victory. Soon after, the growing storms made it known that the Greybeards were about to speak. So there were Greybeards even as far back as the Second Era. As nearby villages were being evacuated, Talos traveled up to the mountains the Greybeards called home where they removed their gags and spoke his name, causing the world to shake. The Greybeards told Talos that he would come to rule Tamriel, but that he must go south to do so. Before he left, he learned the secrets of the high peak winds, the roar of the winter blast, and the warm silk of summer updrafts. When he descended from the mountains, he came riding the clouds, striding through the air in the gray boots where he he reclaimed were the gifts of the Greybeards for his cunning craft and riddling. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Just coming from this, that shows that Talos was a dragonborn. Tiber Septim was a dragonborn. If he is able to withstand the Greybeards' uh, shouts at him, 
if you remember the first time you meet the Greybeards, they do that to to your character in Skyrim. So, yeah, he he was Dragonborn. So, Talos became general of the Clovian Estates under the King Kulakine, Kulakine, and later Emperor Kulakine. General Talos met the combined armies of Skyrim and High Rock, who were hostile to Kulakine, on the field of Sankrator. So, um, I think if you've played Skyrim and possibly Arena, you would recognize Sankator. When they saw him use the Thum, Skyrim's army joined with Talos, recognizing him as the son of Skyrim and the, to the empires of men. The Bretons of High Rock saw things differently. In Second Era 854, a Reachman Nightblade managed to kill Emperor Kulkane and slit Talos's throat. While the wound did not kill him, he could no longer use the voice and went on to command Tamriel with a whisper. So, yeah, he couldn't shout anymore, but he could still use the voice a little bit. He took the Cyrodelic name Tiber Septim, as well as Izmir, the Dragon of the North, the Nordic name of kings. Tiber Septim ruled the Third Empire for the next 81 years, and he died in Third Era 38. Some claim that Tiber Septim was born on an island called Alakair and was named Hjalti Earlybeard. Others believe he was born under the name Talos and Atmora. So, again, we got conflicting uh, historical accounts here. But, I mean, does it, in the end, does it really matter? Is, I mean, whether he was born on an island or an Atmora, I don't think it really matters. Either way, it is known he spent the early part of his life being raised in Skyrim. It was here that he learned the ways of the warrior and studied strategy with the Nord chieftains. So this, the first part that I read uh, of his life was from the UESP wiki. Now we're getting into a little bit more of a detailed account from the fandom site. So at the age of 20 years old, Kelty led an attack against the Reachman of High Rock, launching his military career. He soon met King Kulakane of Falkreath, and the two became allies. Kjalti became the general of the conjoined Nord and Colovian forces, using skills of each type of soldier under his command. Kjalti forced the Reachmen back to the old Hrolden. A siege would be impossible, and no reinforcements could be expected. So, um, that night, a terrible storm arose, and in the storm was the spirit of an ancient Nordic king, Izmir, who taught Hjalti the way of the voice. So this is how he learned how to shout. The next day, Hjalti appro- approached the walls of old Trolden, and the storm hovered over his head and broke the structure with powerful shouts. His army poured in and decimated the enemy forces. The Nords began to call him General Talos after his divisive victory. So here it's it seems that he was born as Hjalti, and then he inherited the name Talos from the Nords. Not entirely sure which is accurate. But that brings to mind a line from Romeo and Juliet, you know, Shakespeare. Rose by any other name would smell as sweet. So, I mean, I guess it doesn't really matter what he's called. He's still Talos, the, you know, Tiber Septum. So, soon after this victory, a storm arrived, announcing that the Greybeards were soon to speak. While in those surrounding areas, while those surrounding areas began to evacuate, Talos traveled to the throat of the world where the Greybeards were. With their gags removed, the Greybeards announced Talos's name and prophesied that he would defeat the elves and rule over a united empire of Tamriel. The world itself shook. So this is kind of a retelling of what I was talking about earlier. So here is where it starts talking about how he formed the empire. So Talos and Kulakane traveled to Cyrodiil. Kulakane wanted to secure the Clovian estates, and Talos saw this as a means to that end. So before any actions could be taken, however, a united Nord and Breton forces occupied large portions of the Ural Mountains in Second Era 852. I believe 
this is part of Elder Scrolls Adventures Redguard. I, it, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but in Elder Scrolls Redguard, I've, I've played a little bit of it, not a ton, but they do talk about how Tiber Septim was alive during the events of this game. So I believe this is this happens during the events of the Elder Scrolls Adventures Redguard. Like I said, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that I believe that to be the case. The army made their headquarters in Sencator and dared Talos to assault them. Talos raised an army to meet their challenge. Though the task seemed impossible, Talos was only was given a vision of the amulet of kings hidden away in the tomb of Raymond III, Raymond Cyrodiil. This re- renewed Talos's hope, as he believed it was his destiny to recover the amulet. Fortunately, a traitorous Breton sorcerer revealed a back entrance to their impenetrable fortress. Talos left a small contingent of his soldiers to draw out the enemy. While most of his forces took the back way within the fortress with the element of surprise, Talos and his armies swept through the enemies in, that, in uh, what would be known as the Battle of Sankator. The Nords quickly abandoned their alliance and swore fealty to Talos. The Breton leaders were subsequently executed, and their soldiers were imprisoned or sold into slavery. Sankator was sacked, during which Talos recovered the Amulet of Kings. So this is where he gets the amulet. And so to be able to wield the amulet, or you know wear it, to be a true emperor of Tamriel... You have to be able to possess the amulet of kings, and to you know be a true emperor, you have to be a dragonborn. So the amulet of kings, I talked about this in the Akatosh episode, was created by Akatosh and given to Saint Alessia, and she was the first dragonborn emperor. So one of the the subplots of the main story of ESO talks about how Varus Aquilarius was not a dragonborn. He was an emperor of Tamriel, but his reign didn't last very long because he wasn't a dragonborn emperor. But Talos, Tiber Septim, was. So within a year of this, Western Cyrodiil was unified, much to the delight of the of Kulikane. The Thum of Talos became feared by all his enemies, and he and his forces marched east in 2nd Era 854, and they battled the last of the Akaviri Potentate and conquered the Imperial City, giving them full control of Cyrodiil. Kulkane intended to be Emperor himself, but Talos recalled prophecy of the Greybeards. Secretly, Talos murdered Kulkane with the aid of the Hyrock Nightblade. So, okay... Here's some new information here from the UESP article. Talos was part of the plot to kill Kulkane. Uh, I'm not sure how I feel about that, but uh, yeah, so I guess he hired the High Rock Knight Blade to do his dirty work? Wow. So the Imperial Palace was burned to the ground, likely to hide the evidence. So, oh man. Talos slit his own throat, either to throw suspicion off himself because he so deeply regretted his actions, or, or uh, be, either to throw suspicion off himself or because he so deeply regretted his actions. I hope it's the latter. So, though he lived, his voice failed. The assassination attempt was pinned on the Shah. In order to prevent Cyrodiil from descending into chaos, the Grand Mage Zurin Arctus dubbed Talos the Emperor of Ty- Talos the Emperor Tiber Septim. This vast conspiracy can only be found in the Arcturian Hersey. Efforts have been made to remove this from history, so I guess that's why it's not in the UESP article. I don't know. Um, that's pretty messed up. Tiber Septim found the task of running the Empire initially to be extremely time-consuming, and he sent Izmir to handle expanding the Empire through into Skyrim and High Rock. Some came to believe that Tiber Septim could be in two places at once. 
Before too long, all of the human kingdoms, even Hammerfell, through supporting one side of the raging civil war, finally attention could be turned to the elves. So, by this point, all of the man provinces, like Hammerfell, High Rock, Skyrim, they're under control of Tiber Septim, but now it's time to turn to the elves, you know, like Marwyn, Fart, and, uh, Valen Wood and the Somerset Isles. So let's talk about that. Hearing of the tribunal's power, Tiber Septim was weary. We'll talk about the tribunal starting with the next episode. Ysmir was determined that the Dunmer could be conquered, but Zurin Arctus was much more cautious. Ysmir believed that destroying the tribunal would give them the power to conquer it to need power needed to conquer the Somerset Isles. Though Tiber Septim planned to send Arctus to the Somerset Isles to negotiate peace, his main focus was acquiring the Ebony from Morrowind. The Empire invaded and before long the Tribunal gave up. An armistice was established, negotiating non-interference with the Tribunal. Izmir was furious and abandoned the Empire. Okay. So I guess he really didn't like Tiber Septim. At about this time, the Dunmer gave Simicus, uh, sorry, the Dunmer General Simicus traveled to the Imperial City with Berenziah. The Queen and Tiber Septim fell in love and began an affair. When it was determined that Berenziah was pregnant, Tiber Septim was unwilling to allow such a great threat to his throne, so he hired a healer to force her to miscarry. That also is pretty messed up. After this, Baron Zio is sent away from the Imperial City. Yeah, that, that's really messed up. So now let's talk about the Numidian. So Tiber Septim had long held a fascination with the Dwemer, and after the defeat of Morrowind, he ordered Zurin Arctus to research the Numidian, the mighty artifact that Tiber Septim had recovered in Morrowind. In this research, he learned a great deal about Red Mountain and of Izmir's place in the war that he had fought, that was fought there. It was determined a great source of power would be needed to activate the artifact, and Lorcan's heart was unattainable. So, we did talk about Lorcan's heart in the Lorcan episode, so that also comes to play with the tribunal that we will get into starting next episode. Tiber Septim believed that the Numidium was what he needed to finally fulfill the prophecy of the Greybeards. He contacted Izmir and told him that he finally believed Izmir had been correct about Marwind. Izmir returned to the Imperial City and was set upon by the Imperial Guards. Izmir fought them, but in the meantime, Arctus used a soul gem on him. As Izmir breathed his last, Izmir's heart blasted through the guards and Arctus, leaving everyone present dead. That's kind of messed up too. Tiber took the soul gem and explained to the Elder Council that Zerd and Arctus had been staging a coup. The dead guards were celebrated as heroes. Tiber used this example to warn the people of Cyrodiil about the dangers within, but told them he could protect them from the dangers without the mantella. I think that's how you pronounce that. Although Numidium was not the device the Dwemer and Tiber Septim had hoped for, it allowed the Emperor to conquer the Somerset Isles. After this, a terrible undead wizard who could control the skies threatened the growing empire. He destroyed the Numidium, though it destroyed him as well. The Mantella fell, upon, fell into the ocean, seemingly lost forever. So this, I guess, unifies the empire doesn't really talk about the sacking of Valenwood, but I guess that came along with Somerset. So let's talk a little bit about the Third Era. So the Third Era starts when he unifies the Empire. With all of Tamriel united, Tiber Septim announced the beginning of the Third Era in year Second Era 897. He crowned himself the first emperor of Tamriel. The rest of his reign passed relatively uneventful. His only son, Crown Prince Claudius Septim, died in his wounds during the battle. The Daedric Prince 
During the battle, the Daedric Prince Jigalag on 3rd Era 12, in 3rd Era 38, while on his deathbed, he gave his crown to his grandson, Pelagius Septim. He died shortly after at the age of 108, making him the oldest man in the history of Narn. His body was buried in Sankator with the members of the Riemann dynasty. So, Sankator, actually, I, I said it was in Skyrim. It's actually in Cyrodiil. Um, I apologize for that mistake. So, that comes to play in Oblivion. You're actually sent there by Martin. So, yeah, I'm remembering all this now. You're sent there by Martin Septim to retrieve the armor of Tiber Septim to help you create the portal to um, Paradise, uh, where Mankar Cameron is. So you need the blood of a divine. And Daedric artifacts contain the blood of the uh, Daedra that you need. So, but the divines don't typically have artifacts that contain their blood. The only exception was the armor of Tiber Septim. It, I mean, he'd been wounded in battle, obviously. So there was some blood on his armor. So you needed to go and retrieve it from Sankator. I, I apologize for that uh, misspeech earlier. So let's talk a little bit about his godhood. So Tiber Septim is believed by many to have ascended into godhood upon his death, becoming the god Talos, the ninth divine. He is considered the god of war and governance. In his godly form, Tiber Septim is, instead of Talos, is, is sometimes called Izmir, and is also known as the dragonborn and the heir to the seat of the Sundered Kings, and the dragon king of the north. I had a lot of names there. Questing heroes and the adventurers invoke his name in prayer. Some theorize that he did so by mantling Lorcan through his use of the Numidium. Some believe, which that, I mean, I could buy that. Some believe that the other eight divines, or perhaps one of the eight, intervened upon his death and made him like them. I could see that also. Others fiercely deny that Tiber Septim ever became a deity to the point that they treated, so that the treaty that ended the great war between the Aldmeri Dominion and the Empire of Tamriel required the Empire to stop acknowledging Talos as a deity and to destroy all the shrines dedicated to him. There's still plenty of shrines around. There's some evidence that Talos is in fact a deity. One such example was the fact that he appeared to the Nerevarine under the guise of the retired legionnaire Wolf and gave his lucky coin to the hero. That is not something that I have experienced in the game Morrowind, but I would love to. His presence during Sovngarde also, also seems to indicate that he is one of the divines. I don't think I encountered him in Sovngarde either. I need. I, I love exploring Sovngarde while you're there, and I've seen plenty of heroes there that otherwise, like unless you get into the lore like I do, you wouldn't know who they are. That's one of the great things about going and exploring in there. Like you can encounter Ysgrimor in Sovngarde, and that in itself is pretty freaking awesome. But I don't know if I ever encountered Talos. I need to do that again. So, the exact race of Tiber Septim is unknown, but what is known is that he is not a mer or beast folk, but a subspecies of man. If the statement that he is from Alcair is true, he is most likely a Breton. Kine also refers to him as a man mer, which is a Breton. And the Bretons are both man and mer, man being more prominent. So yeah, I, I've talked about that in the Breton episode. If the statement that he is from Atmora is true, he is most likely Nedic or Nord. Tiber Septim's appearance in the template Redguard shows his skin color to be mainly that of a Redguard's. Most of his heirs are also Imperial, implying that he might have also been an Imperial. A detailed account is given to the, in the real Baron's Eye Book 3 describing Tiber Septim's physical appearance. So here's a quote from that. Tiber Septim was nothing like the grim, gray, giant warrior she'd pictured. 
He was of average height, fully head and a half shorter than the tall Symmachus. I'm not sure who that is. Although he is well knit of figure and lithe of movement. He had a winning smile, bright indeed, piercing, blue eyes, and full head of stark white hair. So this is when he was a little bit older. Above a lined and weathered face. He might have been of any age from 40 to 60. So yeah, this sounds like him and his older wife. The picture that I saw in the UESP article, he had dark hair, like short dark hair. So after his death, I think I already talked about the yeah, that. After his death, Tiber Septim is believed to have ascended to Godhead. He became Talos again, the god of war and governance. This probably is from the US, UESP article. For after a lifetime of war, he had united Tamriel for the first time in history. Upon his ascension, the eight divines became nine. So there's a little bit of a different uh, rundown of all that. During the great war between the Empire and the Elves and the uh, Aldemary Dominion, however, the peace was agreed upon, with one of the conditions being that the Empire ceased to recognize Talos as one of the nine divines. And such, all of his shrines were removed from the temples and towns and loyal to the Empire and their new elven masters. Masters? Screw that. The Stormcloaks in the province of Skyrim rejected the White Gold Concordant that instates this law. So I guess that's why if you go to, you know, Solitude or one of the other major cities, you don't see a shrine, aside from the one in Whiterun um, where the preacher is, you don't really see shrines of Talos in the major holds. You just find them out in the wild. So it is important to note that the matter of Talos's godhood is still a point of contention both in how and whether it happened at all. And if it, it is possible that Septim didn't ascend at all, if he did ascend, it is possible he did so by man, mantling Lorcan, which I mentioned earlier. However, the eight have never contradicted Talos's divinity. Also, when the eight divines speak on the behalf of themselves, they always speak of not eight, but nine. So um, let's talk a little bit about his legacy here. I'm going to talk a little bit about that here in a few minutes. So, um, Tiber Septim had a bloodline, but it met its end at the end of Pelagius Septim. The line then switched to his niece, Kintyra, and her heirs. I talked about that in the Septim Dynasty episode. Tiber Septim was the founder of the Septim Dynasty, which ruled Tamriel for the entire Third Era until his bloodline died out, died out with Martin Septim. Tiber appeared again in Morrowind, as a retired legionnaire named Wolf, so I talked about that earlier. He aids the Nerevarine by asking him to take his lucky coin to Red Mountain, while the hero of Marl maybe I did encounter this, and I just don't, I didn't put two and two together, but, because uh, it's been a while since I played the end of the Marwind main story. He gains a power called the Luck of the Emperor. Later, an Imperial Priest in Ebonheart tells the hero that Wolf may have actually been a divine manifestation of Tiber Septim, and that his visitation may have been a sign of great doom for the hero. Uh, I don't think so, but okay. There's some unanswered mysteries of Tiber Septim. The template tone, there are still some conflicting reports about Tiber's life due to many aspects of his early reign being rewritten, and this is why there's such confusion over questions as brought up by Izmir in the Articurian hearsay. So why does Alcair claim to be the birthplace of Talos while others seem to be, say, from Atmora? Yeah, I kind of talked about that earlier. Why does Tiber Septim seem to be a different person after his first roaring conquests? Why does Tiber Septim betray his battle mage? Is the Mantella the heart of the battle mage the heart of Izmir, or is it the heart of Tiber Septim? So he's got some equipment here. There's the totem of Tiber Septim. There's the boots of the apostle and the armor of Tiber Septim. So um, here's some other things to mention. There's the Battle of Sanctor, the legendary Sanctor, Pocket Guide to the Empire, First Edition. So either, these are all books you can find in the game. There's the Real Baron Zaya. There's the 2920 Volume 12, the Evening Star, the Art Curian Hearsay. Pocket Guide to the Empire 3rd Edition. So yeah, these are all books you can find in the games. So here's some trivia here. 
Tiber Septim's name was based on the first names of the Roman emperors Tiberius Caesar and Septimus Severus, thus creating the name Tiber Septim. So the currency of the empire is the Septim derived from Tiber's first name. So yeah, up and up until Skyrim, the the gold coins were called Septims, and obviously during ESO they're just called gold because Tiber Septim wasn't around at that point in time. So the surname of the family could be a reference to a septum, a thing that partitions or divides. It could be a reference to the ability of the septums to form a partition between the Oblivion Plains and the Daedra, the mortal plane of Nern. So this is talking about um, the Amulet of Kings, how it creates a barrier between the Plains of Oblivion and the... um, Mundus Nern. So um, that talks about how you know the in um, the game Oblivion that barrier was breached because the last of the septums the the flames uh, the um, flames of the one in the temple of the one the dragon fires went out thus breaking the barrier there. So in Greek mythology, Talos refers to an automatron made by the Greek god Hephaestus as a gift to King Minos to protect the island of Crete, Europa, and Europa, one of Zeus's lovers. This may have been an influence of the Numidium. Interesting. Septim's life and role may mirror that of King David from the Bible. Both men have done similar things and have been in similar circumstances. Both were destined to become the rulers of their kingdoms. Both inherited their thrones when their respective rulers at the time were killed. So Kulthane and uh, Kulkane and King Saul. Both had an affair with a woman, uh, Bathsheba or Baron Zaya, and both united their nation or continent under their rule. It's interesting. I didn't even think about that, but yeah, it makes sense. So this uh, next part talks about uh, hearsay. According to a book that cl- it claims it was written by Izmir Kingmaker, the Arcturian Hersey, Yalti Early Beard was born on the island of Alcair in High Rock. Amid rumors of a warlord destined to rule Tamriel, he rose to prominence in the service of King Kulkane and fought to unify Cyrodiil. This book describes the true identity of the Underking is the same as claimed by, claimed by Arthur, author Izmir Kingmaker. Izmir provided assistance to the young general, but in the manner of his assistance, his assistance is vaguely described. It states that the storm talked all night with the with Yalti and deflected arrows while Yalti shouted down the wall of Old Rolden, while while where Yalti was given the name Talos, meaning storm crown, by his men. So that's how he gave, got the name Talos, according to Izmir. Notably, the book refers to Izmir as Izmir the Grey Wind and the Storm of Kine. After this, after the province was conquered, Yalti murdered Kulkane. So, um, whether that's true or not, who knows? That is one important difference between uh, Talos and King David, though, is in King in the Bible, King David had a chance to king, to kill King Saul a few times and refused to do so but according to Izmir he did kill his king so here's a note about his personal life some things are universal shared by all sentient folk of goodwill according to Tiber Septim so the one teaches us we must unite against the malicious and brutish brutish miscreated the orcs trolls goblins and others so at one point in time, orcs were considered just another of the races of bestiality, like trolls and goblins and everything. They weren't considered a people of Tamriel. That sense has changed, but I guess during the time of Tiber Septim, that's what they were considered. It wasn't until more recent times that that changed. Tiber Septim had one child with an unknown woman, and this child in turn had one son Pelagius 
Some sources have claimed in apparent error that Pelagius was Tiber Septim's elder son rather than his grandson. Late in life, according to other sources, Tiber Septim had an affair with the future Denmary queen, Brianzaia, and he had had her unborn child aborted. So yeah, I talked about that earlier, and that's I, that's messed up. Tiber Septim worshipped a single god as, known as the One and revived worship of him during his reign as emperor. He had a famous hatred of the orcs and saw them as lesser beings, denying them citizenship within the Third Empire. So yeah, that that's what I was referring to earlier, which they had been granted in previous empire under the Akaviri Potentate. Tiber declared the end of the Second Era at the beginning of the Third Era in Second Era 896. His reign lasted a total of 81 years. So I've already talked about the artifacts. Here's a little note about the Talus cult, which I mentioned earlier. So this is part of the events of Marland, I guess. There's not a lot about it, but the picture from the UESP article shows, I mean, it's clearly from Marland. So it shows a shrine. So, we are those who worship the true following of the legions protecting the glory of Tiber Septim Talus, the dragonborn. I'm not sure where that quote is from, but it's obviously a quote. The Talus cult is a fringe group that reveres Tiber Septim, founder of the Third Empire, who hypothesized to become the divine Talos. They have many followers within the Imperial Legion. So, uh, yeah, the Imperial Legion is actually a faction that you can join in Marwin. So, circa era, third era, circa third era, 427, excuse me, members of the Talus cult became, began a conspiracy to assassinate Uriel Septim VII during a rumored visit to Vardenfell due to his perceived weak rule. They began to recruit new members from the Deathshed Legion garrison in Nisus, requiring them to swear an oath to give up their lives and attempt to put a strong man back on the throne of Tamriel. Why do they think that Uriel VII wasn't a strong man? He'd been through a lot in his life. There's an entire book about that. This was prevented by the Nerevarine who executed the conspirators by order of the Imperial Legion. So I guess that's a little short side quest line there. I've never encountered that. That's another thing I haven't encountered in Marwyn. See, go play Marwyn, guys. There's tons of stuff that even I haven't played. So, um, as far as his godhood goes, I truly believe that he did ascend to become a god. So, there's numerous, you know, evidence. There's, you know, tons of evidence to support that. So, um, the fact that he appears in Morrowind is one. Which, again, I didn't even know that. Um, there's also the fact that in Oblivion, that is the whole point of the Knights of the Nine quest line. Like, had he not ascended to godhood, you would not have been able to defeat Umarill the Unfeathered. That's why when Pelinal Whitestrake uh, took him on, he was able to kill him, but not entirely get rid of him like he was able to come back and at the end of the third era and it's only with Talos's blessing that you are able to finally defeat him and be rid of you know rid rid Mundus of him for good um there's also the fact that when you do pray at the Talos shrines they work. They give you a blessing. Same with the Amulet of Talos. The Amulet of Talos uh, allows quicker dragon shouts, among other things. So, yeah, I don't think that that's really up for debate, despite what the Thalmor would lead you to believe. Like I said in the uh, Great War episode, I think that's all propaganda because... Tiber Septim Talos is the heart and soul of the Empire. And when the Mede dynasty agreed to the terms of the White Gold Concordant, the Empire lost its soul. 
So, and like I said, I believe that the Old Mary Dominion, that was one of their original demands. And originally the Mead Dynasty told them to go fuck themselves. But they fought to a standstill. And finally the Meads gave in. And the Red Guards proved that they didn't need to do that. Had they decided to keep fighting, they could have beat the Old Mary Dominion. The Red Guards did drive them out of Hammerfell. So, I mean, it, it, it is a tough situation. I, I get it. I mean, I guess I don't fully get it. I've never been in war myself. But, like I said, the Thalmor knew what they were doing when they demanded the banning of Talos worship. They knew that Talos was the heart and soul of the Empire, and without him, the Empire's just a shell of themselves, and that's where we are today during the events of Skyrim. Um, I also post that I don't think there really needs to be an Empire anymore. If it's not what it, like, the Empire's not what it was, and I don't really respect the Mead Dynasty because they were willing to compromise on the core aspect of the empire. They willingly, you know, gave away its soul. And like I said, I do believe that Talos did ascend to godhood. Now, how is a matter of debate. <clears throat> I do believe that the other eight divines were happy with his ascension. Otherwise, it wouldn't have happened. So they did a lot. I mean, that's just my opinion. But anyway, yeah, that is Talos. Um, for better or worse, I know some people hate him. They think that he was too brutish and, you know, he was, you know, willing to go to great lengths, terrible lengths to ascend to the throne. But, I mean, he was able to unite Cyrodiil, or not just Cyrodiil, but all of Tamriel, which had never been done before. And there's something to be said about that. So, um, like I said, the next episode, we are going to start talking about the tribunal. And I'm going to do it just like I did with the divines in alphabetical order. So we're going to talk about Almoexia first. There's a lot to get into with the tribunal. Uh, just how they were able to come to power and what how they kept their power and uh, what happened to them in the end. So yeah, we're going to start with Almalexia, then go to Sothasil, and then finally Vivek. And then we're going to get into the Daedra after that. So that'll be four episodes from now. Uh, I'd like to once again thank the Hive as always, for sponsoring this episode. So um, I posed to you guys a question in the last couple of episodes about whether or not you wanted a Patreon or merch or, you know what, just forget about all that. So I did post a poll on Twitter, and I've been doing some videos um, where I talk to you guys face-to-face on Instagram just to let you know you guys know what's going on and give you a little bit of an update and so a few of you guys voted and it seemed like you guys wanted merch not so much patreon which is completely fine i'm okay with that so um i talked to a couple people just to see what's going on um so i may have a couple of shirts up and going soon so what i'll probably do uh, because they're not cheap is kind of do it once once i if this does become a thing is do it as an or uh, like an order by order basis so just have them made when somebody wants to order one so stay tuned um i may do that soon uh we'll just see what happens i'm going to be moving over the summer so that may put a little bit of a delay on this but we'll see what happens. So, um, also, I, I have Nintendo going on. So, we just did an episode on Link's Awakening. 
um, the three incarnations of that. Next episode is going to be one of my all-time favorite games, and that is Ocarina of Time. So definitely check that out. Uh, when that becomes available, I'll let you know. So until then, um, thank you for your patience. Like I said, I you can probably tell my voice is a little off right now. But um, I'm back, baby. So as always, stay safe, adventurers. Hello, listener. My name is Durka, and I am the host of the Formicast podcast, and I would like to invite you, yes, you, to all ant keepers and non-ant keepers alike on a new journey, one of adventure, excitement, exploration, and seeking the unknown. A quest is a journey toward a specific mission or goal. The word serves as a plot device in mythology and fiction. A difficult journey towards a goal, often symbolic or allegorical, tales of quests figure prominently in the folklore of every nation and ethnic culture. So, what does that mean, folks? That means we're going on an ant quest. It is our quest to know about the ants that live near you. So, my co-host and I are going on an ant quest. Beginning May 3rd, 2021, come with us on this quest to North America, South America, Europe, Asia, Africa, and Australia. We hope you are packed and ready to go with us. As we begin this amazing journey, Monday, May 3rd, on all the things, YouTube and audio waves. First stop, Africa, Formicast out.